Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. MallardBay.com is the Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the U.S. You can browse trips and prices by state or species. Select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, mallardbay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook and they can help you find your dream hunt. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Man, what a uh, what a beautiful week we've had up until yesterday in Alabama, and we got some much, much, much needed rain. Man, I know most everybody is glad to see that. I hope you got your green fields planted before yesterday because you, uh, you got a good rain to get those food plots up for sure. So, hey, excited about deer season coming up. But this is not a deer hunting podcast. This is a fishing podcast, and I am looking forward to bringing you all the show today and especially excited about this first segment. Uh, we got Logan Parks from Auburn University, ex-Auburn University, now moving into the to the professional fishing world and logan what's going on buddy what's up man how are you i'm good man so logan is on uh at sam rayburn and uh i think this will be a really cool segment logan and and because you're you're your first day of practice you're there practicing today it's not official practice i guess started yet but you're there early you're in a very unique position this is your first year uh, if I understand it, this is your first year trying to qualify for the elite series. So, first of all, let's talk about where you stand. What needs to happen this week? Yeah, I'm sitting in uh, fifth place, but two of the guys ahead of me have already qualified, so I'm uh, technically in third because it'll work past them. So, just uh, you know, I'm sitting good. I just got to finish strong. I've got a few people, you know, pretty close behind me in the points. Um, one guy, the guy right behind me is only seven points behind and, you know, all these guys are incredible fishermen and they've all had great seasons to get where they're at. So I just got to, you know, see it through and hopefully just have a great tournament and finish strong and hopefully we'll be on the elite series. So the top, so, so you're in it right now. You're, you're there. So if you stay right where you're at and finish in third, you're fishing the elite next year, right? Correct. 
dude, that is awesome for your first year trying to qualify. A lot of people take years and years and some never qualify. So for you to be able to do this your first year uh, is a hats off to you and, and the type of fisherman you are. And one reason that you are successful, I mean, you talk a lot, but one reason is because, I mean, like you're there early now. I mean, you're, you put the work in and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. And, and guys, if y'all are listening, if you hear a little wind, if you hear the motor in the background or something like that, Logan is actually calling us from the lake on Sam Rayburn. But what I want you to try to walk through with us today, Logan, is when you, you come to a lake, this, this is not your home lake. It's not, it's a lake you have fished, but I'm not going to say you're overly familiar with it. Right. So when you come to a new lake, you're getting ready for a tournament. What are you doing today? What's your, what's your game plan and how do you go about putting that plan together? Yeah. One of the first things that I do is, is I do a lot of research, you know, even before I get the truck and head down there, um, do a lot of research on kind of what, uh, you know, some general areas on the lake, you know, you hear people talk about, you fall, for example, people talk about witch's ditch all the time, or, you know, like certain places that are on the lake that a lot of tournaments are won. Um, so I kind of want to find out what those areas are first and, and, you know, just look at a map and kind of see how it lays out. If it's a big area and I think I can kind of fish that place and get away from the crowd or if, it's going to just be overcrowded and, you know, I just kind of want to write that off and, and just try and find something else. And then also kind of look at the weather forecast for the weeks up coming to the event. Kind of see what the current temperatures and, and wind and weather is and what it's, you know, forecasted to do to see how things are going to change. Like for example, here on San Rayburn, it's supposed to be 90 degrees today. And, you know, the low was like 65 and next week, the day of the tournament it's going to be 40 degrees in the morning uh, got a big cold front coming in so you just kind of want to anticipate that so you're not wasting your time in practice looking for a fight that's going to go away or you know potentially be changed in a big way because of the conditions it's 90 degrees right now i mean what's what's the water temperature now uh it's not 90 yet but uh it's warming up but the water temp i'm seeing is 75 so it's 75, 77, somewhere in there. So the fish that you're fishing for and finding right now, I mean, like you said, it's a challenge when you got a big major cold fruit coming because it's like you can, you can, you can work your tail off these next couple of days, next week, finding areas, finding fish, you know, who knows if they're going to be there when a cold front comes through and that water temperature takes a nosedive how do you prepare for that how do you how do you do you have a secondary plan okay if the fish are here now and the water drops maybe they go here i mean how do you navigate that well i've spent a lot of time behind the wheel you know i don't do just a ton of fishing in practice depending on the event like for this one just a giant lake and there's a lot of you know offshore stuff to fish that maybe isn't going to be as pressured as some of those shallow fish are and also it'll be less affected by the conditions and the, the weather. So I, 
I spend a lot of time on places like here, you know, just bigger bodies of water where I know there's an offshore bite, just crafting and idling around. You know, I put 20 to 30 hours on my motor in some of these practices, just scanning, um, trying to find something offshore that's a little deeper and a little bit more consistent. And then, you know, like as the, uh, you know, we get closer to the event, it's going to start getting colder, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's when I'll maybe try and start fishing some, kind of dial in what baits they want to buy. I don't really waste a lot of time way ahead of the event, you know, actually fishing because the conditions change, the fish move, lots of things happen. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of conditions, especially this time of year, a lot of things are happening with, with, with temperatures going back and forth and hot days then cold days and it's just uh it's it's a mix and but you're on a heck of a body of water man i've i've fished fish rayburn uh several several times my, myself and hey and, and hey you got to meet my buddy man you're getting to stay with my buddy cliff my long time lifelong friend uh got a nice camp there he is offered up to you and jake and and uh so i'm so glad that y'all were able to take advantage uh of that and uh but but cliff's a terrible terrible fisherman so don't listen to anything he says <laughs> don't take any advice that's no, a good dude yeah we really appreciate you uh connecting us with him and putting us up with a place to stay for this one no i, I obviously i'm ex- I, i'm i'm just giving cliff a hard time he's a he is an exceptional guy but he's also a good fisherman too so uh, i'm glad that worked out well i know I know when I've fished Rayburn in the past, uh, and it's been a different time of year than now, but I know we always loved, you know, finding those hydrilla edges. And uh, we fished a lot of topwater, fished a lot of flukes, things like that. Is, is that kind of what you're, are you looking for that kind of stuff now? Is the hydrilla still a big part of Rayburn in the fall? It will be. Um, it will be for sure. I think that just with the fall you know seasonal movements going on trying to kind of get an idea of where most of the bait is but it seems to be scattered out all over so i think it's going to be a junk fishing deal kind of you know you might go fish a offshore point or a hump or ledge or whatever and then you might go hit a pile then you might go fish some shallow hydrilla just mix it up and with the fish being scattered you just kind of got to fish everything right now yeah well the one thing for sure is you're in a body of water that holds some big fish so man you catch the right fish on rayburn you can jump to the top of the leaderboard in a hurry uh i'm sure that that there'll be a lot of big bags caught there but what are some of just kind of going into this thing what are some of the fall baits that you have confidence in and that you see coming into play in this tournament uh, well, you know, with the hydrilla being a big factor here with some offshore grass, I'm excited to go throw around the new Berkeley slobber knocker. It's the new bladed jig that they have. They won the ICAST uh, best freshwater bait this year. Um, haven't really had much of an opportunity to fish it yet because we haven't really gone anywhere with a whole lot of grass or really anywhere that I could throw, you know, a bladed jig. So pretty excited to get out here and throw it around and see kind of how it works and you know i've seen a lot of big fish being caught on it so i'm excited to finally 
get the opportunity to throw it. And then, you know, you always got to have a big topwater tide on this time of year. They can come up schooling, you know, anytime with the fall, with the big fish just kind of being up higher in the water column. That's always a factor. So I have a, you know, a Berkeley Jay Walker or something like that tied on, just a shad colored one, because you don't want to be that guy that doesn't have a bait to throw in there when a four or five pounder starts blowing up by the boat. And then, you know, just other, you know, basic stuff, you know, jigs, worms, all that stuff still works. So, yeah. Now that slobber knocker, I've been hearing it and, and seeing it. It's basically, a chatterbait, right? Yeah, it's just a different, you know, alternative to the Z-Man, uh, what they have. And, you know, they they make a great bait, too. But uh, I don't think the slobber knocker, the way it's designed, I think, it, I think it'll actually come through the grass a little bit better with uh, the way the blade's attached to the head. So I'm excited to get out here and, you know, try it out. Hey, I just hope it's a little, a little less expensive than the jackhammer. That's all I hope. Because I love fishing that chatterbait. But, dang, it's like four bucks a lure it is it, uh, it won't yeah it won't it won't break the bank quite as bad as the does. hey man look i'm gonna let you get back to work dude and uh and find find them big old schools of fish that 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 you need to find to win this tournament logan good luck we'll be praying for you and rooting for you in this thing i'm glad that you got to meet my buddy cliff and got hooked up with a place to stay there through him you'll have a great time being around him and man you and and jake both good luck to you guys next week go find some big fish man and then and we'll touch base i'll I'll be in touch with you throughout the tournament sure be keeping up with you anyway awesome thank you all right buddy we'll talk to you soon good luck all right see ya all right bye all right guys let's take a couple of minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors This segment was brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. And if you're interested in building a new pond or lake, give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you. If you're anywhere in the Southeast, schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com. And brought to you by Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro Series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. Also brought to you by... 
Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services. And now they have a pro level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Great first segment there. Man, wishing, uh, wishing Logan and Jake both luck at, at Sam Rayburn, big tournament for them, and uh, hope they do well. We'll keep y'all posted. But let's get to the second segment. Let's get back over here into Alabama and talk about some Alabama fishing with my man, David Allen. What's going on, David? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Man, we're doing good. I, we're just out here trying to keep a line wet and tight and keep fish on the hook. So, <laughs> man, I know. Well, one thing I know about you, you doing that, you keeping, you keeping uh, some, some, something pulling on the other end of it. We've been doing pretty good here lately. It's just uh, a lot of it's been on live bait here lately, with the, going through the good old fall transition. So we've uh, we started the smallmouth uh, fall live bait trips here lately and having some good times with it for sure. Man, I've seen some pictures lately coming out of there and and. Uh... It, it sounds like it is really, really turned on, and uh, man, there's some people catching some big fish right and some big smallmouth right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, depends on what TVA gives us and what current they're pushing, but uh, it's been been pretty pretty steady here lately for us, catching good good solid numbers and quality um, on the live bait side. Now the artificial, oh, it's you might as well have a magic eight ball there and shake it and see what's going to happen. So. <laughs> Right, all over the board. Yeah, well, one day you'll catch them. Next day you'll never see a fish there again that'll eat eat an artificial bait. And I've always said that to clients because I have some that will kind of double dip, do artificial in the morning, and do live bait later in the day. And you go back fish the same places with a a minnow that you fished a uh, artificial, and it's like, dude, we threw it here for thirty minutes, never had a bite, and we come here for five seconds and drop a minnow, and we're catching them every cast. (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? Them fish are smarter than we give them credit for, I promise you. <laughs> Ain't no doubt about that. Well, why, why is it, and, and you know, you, you know, I have a lot of guys I talk to up at up at Pickwick and, and, and you know, the Tennessee River, and it seems like this time of year, everybody we talk to is, is doing live bait, smallmouth, and, and kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of quit on the largemouth a little bit. Uh, and is it just that the smallmouth bite is, is so dang good right now? You just can't help but go or do the large yeah. mouth just kind of, sh- is it just tougher? Yeah. The lo- usually with the large mouth this time of year, it's just a lot tougher. Um, cause you know, anytime you get into September, October, you know, it's, it's a transition period. Um, they're going from, especially the large mouth, they're going from being out deep from, you know, the month of May all the way to August in the part of September, depending on how hot it is. And they're all transitioning. Okay, I got to go from being in my summer home to now I got to go follow the bait up and chase the bait and get flattened up for the winter. And so they're not really patterning themselves where you can say, all right, they're going to be on pea gravel points or they're going to be here. They're just going wherever the bait goes. So if the bait's deep, they stay deep. If the bait goes in creeks, they go in the creeks. And you just got to cover a lot of water to stay on top of them. But the smallmouth, you know, they're always going to be in the current below the dam somewhere. They're not going anywhere. And like the smallmouth come up, and when they come up, they all come up, and they're feeding their little hearts out as fast as they can get a minute in their mouth. And uh, it just makes for 
I guess more opportunity to catch more fish when you're smallmouth fishing this time of year because they don't really have as many places to go. Right. Kind of narrows down where they can be, right? You know they're going to be below that dam. Yeah. Somewhere within, you know, 10 miles of that dam, there's going to be a smallmouth in some sort of current break or a point or a secluded rock pile, anything. Um, you drop a minute down there, you're going to find out real quick. But now there's times that I've seen, you know, the minnow fishing will be good for so long, and then I've seen where you catch them on artificial just as good. And when that happens, we take advantage of it. But it's really hard to mimic that what that live bait does with an artificial bait. And I've always said if I can find a – if I can ever make a bait that I can put on a line and just let it drift in the current that that minnow does, I'll be a millionaire, but I still haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) Yeah, and everybody's trying, right? Yeah, nobody can quite match that. And you said something, you know, talking about 10 miles below the dam, and I've never done this. I'm coming up in November uh, to go on a trip, so I'll know more about it afterwards personally. But in my mind, I always, when I'm talking to you guys over the last couple of years about doing this, I always envision it is your fairly close to the dam where that water's still rushing you got a lot of current Mm. it's shallow or fairly shallow maybe a lot of rocks and stuff you know because when you when you get down you know a couple miles especially from the dam i mean you still got current obviously but it's just a different it's different than being close to the dam yeah well you know it's totally different but it's it all of it is just like you know you think smallly think the dam, the concrete, you know, right. they're going to be up there coming the water from the generators. Like, but there's smallmouth and a lot of them that a lot of people don't even put a minnow over that are down river on you know, pea gravel points or a creek channel bend that comes out. They live throughout the whole river. It's harder to pinpoint them where if you go up to the dam and just turn your boat broadside and start drifting, you're going to run into a smallmouth with inches. Right, right. They're on any rock that's up there from one bank to the other. Wow. But most time, you know, most people that come and do it, they put it in Farland there, run up below the Wilson Dam and start drifting, and they'll catch, you know, you're going to go through some drum, but you eventually you're going to run into some smallmouth for sure. So Wilson Dam and, and how, you know, like you said, you go, how far down do the smallmouth? I, I just I always, you know, think, okay, they're, you know, the smallmouth around Wilson Dam, Pickwick. How far into below Wilson Dam I mean, they go all the way into the lake, I'm assuming. But kind of where does the line stop for smallmouth is what I'm asking. For consistently being able to say, I'm going to do nothing but target smallmouth. For me, that line's always been, you know, about the Natchez Trace. I've got a couple places from the Trace up. There are little secluded Indian mounds, you know, hard spots, rock rows that run down through there. That I know if I get any of those, I've got a very high opportunity that I'm going to target a smallmouth there. Um, but a lot of it just depends on time of year. Like this time of year, most of my minute trips, I'm not going past the head of seven miles, but just because I haven't had to. And we haven't had the current enough to push hard enough for those down, you know, more down towards around the Cogar Island area to be consistent. You know, right. we need that flow. Because, you know, one thing with a smallmouth, you always got to have current. If there's no current, he's not going to live there. It just makes it harder to catch them. But if you've got a good current flow coming over a rock or any sort of point or anything, there's going to be a smallmouth banks up on it, um, at least on the Tennessee River, because they, they love current. But I always say, you know, if normal person that might not necessarily know all these offshore, you know, structure and stuff, these smallmouth get on, realistically, for anybody coming here, I'd say if you fish from the, you know, head of seven mile to the dam, 
you're in some of the best smallmouth territory in the United States. And you soak them in long enough, you're going to run into them. Or, you know, if you don't want to do them in a thing, you fish artificial enough, you're going to catch smallmouth more than you're going to catch largemouth from that section of the lake when they hit a seven mile to the dam if you're just going to target smallmouth. What, and I asked, I've, I've never, I don't think I've got a clear answer on this. I asked this question last week, uh, and, and I'll ask you, but what your theory is on it, but the smallmouth, like you said, you're, it's world-class smallmouth fishing right there, right now. Where do those fish go the rest of the year? Why is it just right now? Well, I've always said, you know, everybody asks, I want to come catch them off, when do I come? And it's, you know, March through the first part of May, and then they just they disappear. It's like a Houdini act. I've always called that. And then, you know, once we get in October through, you know, the winter, you can catch smallmouth the whole time. I think a lot of those smallmouth, they almost act like a spotted bass with herring. I've always thought this. Because after they go up, fatten up before the spawn in March, go spawn through, you know, in the April, first part of May, they just disappear. And I think what those fish do is in the daytime, they roam around chasing bait. And then you notice guys at night start catching a lot of smallmouth at night. And, you know, June, July, August, when it's hot months, they turn nocturnal almost. Wow. I'm still in the same areas, but they just feed at night. And, you know, not a lot of people night fish. Right. So you don't get publicity like you do when, hey, they're feeding in the spring or in the fall, you know. But uh, a lot of the guys that, you know, the old smallmouth fishermen are Leon Tittle and Sonny Carter and all the guys that used to fish Pickwick Lake all the time. A lot of them that smallmouth, you know, stayed on smallmouth all the time. They fished at night a lot in the hot month when, you know, you don't really hear about the smallmouth fishing of Pickwick, you know. So I think that's a lot of it. I think, you know, in the warm month of the year, they go nocturnal. They feed a lot at night. And you will catch a couple stragglers here and there. But. You know, it's just in the fall, they go to feeding up on shad. And in the spring, they're feeding up and then they go bed. And, of course, when they go on bed, they're just, they don't think too well and they get caught very easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing's for sure, it's an exciting time. And if you're going to be up at uh, Pickwick on the Tennessee River, you need to be fishing live bait for smallmouth right now because it is it is on. and. Like you said, man, I mean, you know, we think about these other states and uh, up north that, that, you know, have great smallmouth fishing. But, man, some of the some of the pictures I'm seeing and some of the things I'm hearing right now, I mean, you, you know, it ain't – I'm not saying you're going to catch a six-pounder every trip, but there's a lot of five, six-pounders, and that's a, that's a huge smallmouth. Oh, I mean, anywhere in the country you hear five, six-pound class smallmouth, I mean, that's a trophy class fish of a lifetime for a lot of people um, right granted i've been get to see them all the time but you know like i get clients in the boat when they catch a you know four to five pound class fish that's the biggest smallmouth they've ever seen and here you have you know and i've always said you know yes up north and i just got back from the st Lawrence river up there and it's ridiculous up there and you catch a lot of four to four and a half pounds class fish but down here you know especially in the spring and nature system you see a lot of the five-plus class fish, um, you know, on the right day. It's like today I just got off the water trip. We had three over five and then, you know, probably a dozen or so fish over four. Um, Good gracious. There's not many places in the world you can go do that and that just be a normal day fishing, you know? <laughs> right, right. But. 
All right, guys, let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by KillerDoc.com. Today, we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction, dirty dock. Have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result? It happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water. You need dock enhancement. Killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch. The scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slots. You choose the style. Check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at killerdock.com. And brought to you by northalabama.org are you looking for a real adventure whether you are experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land a big one north alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition north alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes pickwick wilson wheeler weiss smith neely henry lake gunnersville and bear creek lakes each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish and in north alabama fishing is great year-round For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. Wasn't it up on the St. Lawrence this year that they had such a, uh, oh, I can't remember if it was the Elite Series or, but they, I mean, it was like an unbelievable weights that they were bringing in, but it still wasn't like you, what, what we're talking about here with these five and six pounders. Well, I mean, you know, the St. Lawrence has got, I mean, dude, it's, I saw two fish up there that we just didn't land, but I, I guess them to be over the six plus range or close to seven. I mean, they're massive and I've seen a lot of them, but they look totally different up there. So it's hard to guess them because like a 16, 17 inch smallmouth up there will weigh four pounds or here, 16, 17 inch smallmouth might weigh three and a half. Um, but our fish get, you know, longer, but they have a lot of, longer growing season here you know up there they don't get so cold they just don't grow as fast that's right but but you know here i think if you hit it right you have more of a realistic chance to constantly get over the 25 pound mark where up there you have to be there at the right conditions on the right fish here if you fish well at dam and hit it right you're gonna have 25 pounds um on the right day just because there's there's more numbers, I feel like in such a small area of five pound glass fish. Good um, gracious! Yeah. And, I, and I think in a few more years we're going to see even more of a boom of that because we've got healthy numbers of smallmouth. Like I can take you out there right now, and you're going to catch more twelve inch smallmouth than you ever seen in your life on a minute. It's just we've had some good spawns the last few years, and it's good to see because we need every one of them we got. Well, if you take me up there and I catch one, it'll be it'll be the biggest one I've ever caught. Because <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I have never been smallmouth fishing. It's fun. There's there's nothing like when you hook one of those fish in the current and you got to fight them in that current because they are mean and they do not want to come to the boat. <laughs> That's going to be fun, man. I can't wait to go. I'll be up there in the middle of the next month, and uh, I am looking forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. How'd you do? How'd you do up in your last event? I haven't fished any tournaments this year. I've just been too busy guiding. Um, haven't done any tournaments in a while, actually. But uh, did a uh, just guiding every day. <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, hey, nothing wrong with that. That's you're staying staying booked up. That's a good thing. Well, if somebody was wanting 
you know, this time of year, I know that, that you know, we know what you're going to fish with for smallmouth right now. If you're a largemouth guy and you just dying to go up there and catch largemouth, yeah. what are you kind of like, kind of where are the areas are, are the fish? I'm assuming they're moving up. I mean, they're, maybe they're going back and forth right now, but kind of what are you? A lot of largemouth this time of year, you know, they're in that transition. They're like, okay, it's cooling off. The days are getting shorter. I've got to get ready for winter. So they're fighting up trying to put on as much weight as they can and, what I always tell guys that come here that time of year is cover as much water as you can and try to get as around the bait. If you find the bait, they're there somewhere because the bait fish are not going to be left alone. That's what they're after is, is the bait that's the fastest way for them to get weight on their bodies to make it through the winter. So I always tell guys, you know, look at the mouths of creeks, go into the backs of creeks, you know, fish, you know, in there where there's some aquatic vegetation growing, anything. So bait fish usually go into the creeks first. Or like on the upper end of Pickwick where, you know, a lot of the pockets and creeks are, you know, that when they drop the water to winter pool, they're going to dry up and you're not going to be able to get in there. So then you start fishing, you know, gravel banks, gravel bars. Um, we've got some hydrilla and coontail growing in the lake and eelgrass. No shad run to that grass to get warmth, especially on these mornings like we've got this next week. They're going to get down in the 40s and 30s. That hydrilla holds warmth, so the shad kind of congregate in there to hold on to that warmth. So any sort of grass patches, you know, matted up grass or anything like that, that you see the bait fish, just stay around the bait because eventually they're going to come up schooling on them. Um, a lot of the baits I'm going to throw is like a chatterbait, spinnerbait, a little square bill, topwater, of course, you know, some sort of walking bait or a, or a whopper plopper or something you can, you know, throw out there and mimic those bait fish scattering on the surface. When when you say and just for our listeners and and for me as well, when you say you know up into creeks, you know you've got creeks that come off the main channel, but you're still in a like a big pocket of water, still in the main. Yeah. You're in the main lake, but there's a creek, right? So when you say creeks, yeah. are you talking about those area? Or are you talking about literally going up into, out of the main lake, up into the creeks? Yeah, some of, and some of the places are like the little small finger creeks. You'll uh-huh. just go into the mouth or just into them a little ways, and the shadow will be there. Some of them, it's just a pocket. You literally go into like you know Panther Creek or Union down there in the lower end of the lake. You go in the back of those creeks, they'll be full of bait fish. And it's just where them shad come off the main river and go into those pockets because the water's cooled down enough that they can actually survive. Yeah, they're just you know they get out of that current and I'm gonna fight the current all the time. And then some of it could be just as much as, you know, just a little little bay. It could be tiny or it could be like, you know, Second Creek. It's a big, vast creek. You know, it's it all depends. Most times just something that just comes off the main river and then run up in there. You know, it's eight to ten foot deep. Got some shallow flats in there on it, too. Just good areas for those shad to thrive and also for them bass to transition their way in. Because, you know, I've always told guys those bass will get super shallow in the fall just because the bait fish will be up there and wherever the bait goes they go they go yeah so it is so what you're saying it is a good time of the year for me to get back in my kayak and go back in some of these big creeks that we have these with tons of vegetation Mm -hmm. on them uh off of logan and 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 lay lake and some of those areas get the buzz bait out and go to work and go to work that's it's a fun way to fish ain't no doubt about that no doubt about that it's Fall is definitely the top water time. Um, mostly, we'll ask if I go water fishing along, we'll throw a top water all day just because who doesn't like catch one on a top water bait? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the, what what better way to catch fish than on top water? No, uh, what word? Why do you think, or why is it that smallmouth are not in other systems on, in Alabama like they at all, or or definitely not like they are in up around Pickwick? I, I've honestly wondered that, and I've wondered, you know, granted I'm no biologist, I just fish for them and obsess on how to catch them, but. I don't know why we only have smallmouth and, you know, like the Coosa doesn't have any smallmouth and, you know, I mean, Grant Smith didn't have them, but, you know, I don't know why those, like the Coosa could handle them because a spot and a smallmouth are almost very similar in the way they live. They love current and they, you right. know, they like cooler water most of the time. But I, I don't know if it's just the, the very fact of how the Tennessee River hooks into other bodies of water that those smallmouth came in from some of these creeks or what, but. I would really like to know to get a historian or some historic biologist to tell me why we only have smallmouth and none of the other lakes in Alabama have them. But, but, you know, you go through the whole Tennessee River chain, there's smallmouth all the way up through the chain. It's just, you know, between Pickwick and, you know, Wheeler and all that, those are more of the better smallmouth lakes, I think, just because there's a better population of them. But you go on the upper end of Gunnersville, there's smallmouth up there below, below Nickajack Dam. Um, you just don't ever hear about it because, you're not allowed but to keep one of those in tournaments up there. So right. not a lot of guys been there to go, you know, for tournaments because you only can keep one smallmouth. And it really hurts when you're having to throw back three and four pound smallmouth during the tournament because you only keep one. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. So don't even target them. Yeah. It seems like the Kusa would have them. It, it seems like it would be a perfect smallmouth lake. I mean, river. But for oh, whatever yeah. reason, they're not there. Uh, and, maybe, and, and maybe it's like you said, maybe it's because of the way they've worked their way down. There's just no, no access point from them coming down from up in the Northern States and, and maybe working their way down. But who knows, man? I always heard Bob just say it's hard to stock smallmouth and it's almost impossible. So I, I think they've just been here their whole time and, you know, and who knows, maybe back in the day, there might've been a few smallmouth in the coos. They just didn't survive. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe bring some down here and throw in the coast so i'll have some close to the house to fish <laughs> maybe we can start them down here yeah. uh, I, oh, I think a mean coosa spotted bass might kill them out though. <laughs> yeah, that's true they are kind of tough anyway well man if you know got to get a tip of the day uh, obviously we you know it's it's that live bait season so you know, go ahead with your tip, but we, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be using, using live bait. For most people going fishing that don't care to uh, go to the dark side and throw a minna, uh, it does go out and get you, get you a thing of minnas and some split shots, some hooks and go drift around, catch you some smallmouth. But for the purists out there that want to go all artificial, I would say, make sure you got you a top water on. Um, this time of year, fish are definitely chasing bait and schooling, and there's no better way to catch them than off the top water. Um, the other thing, probably the most important thing, even out of all of them, if you're not seeing the bait fish, you're probably in the wrong place because that's where the fish are at is with all the bait fattening up. So look for the bait and go fish where they're at. That's good stuff, man. Well, hey, if somebody wants to book a trip with you, I know you stay pretty booked up, and uh, man. I, there's a reason why you catch a lot of fish and put your clients on a lot. So if somebody wants to book a fish for you, what's the best way for them to reach out and get you? Probably the easiest way to reach me is just go to davidallenfishing.com. Uh, go through there and shoot me an email and reach through me through there. Or you can get on my uh, social medias on Instagram and Facebook or at Facebook at uh, David Allen Fishing. 
Or if you if you're old school and like to just talk to somebody on the phone, uh, give me a call at two seven zero two zero five nine three eight zero, and we'll get you booked up. That's good stuff, David. I appreciate you, man. Keep catching them, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. Stay safe out there. You too, sir. Thank you. All right, buddy. Talk to you next time. All right, guys. Let's take a couple minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King built in the pursuit of perfection. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Another great segment from David Allen. He always brings us great segments. And man, there is no doubt about it. If you are going to be fishing on the Tennessee River up around Pickwick, I mean, the bass bite largemouth is always, always good up there. We all know that. But man, if I'm going fishing up there, I'm taking some live bait. I'm getting me some minnows and I'm going to catch some of these big small mouth. I know I'm going to be up there in November. I can't wait to go. Uh, it'd be my first small mouth trip. So I can't wait for that to happen. But anyway, guys, that is going to be a wrap for the day. So if you're enjoying the show, as always, please leave us a review, subscribe, share it with your friends man continue to help us grow this thing we appreciate all our listeners and if you'd like us to email you the show we'll do it each and every week all you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we'll email it to you each and every week stay safe out there guys enjoy this beautiful time of the year in alabama we'll talk to y'all next week this week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by United Bank. United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. Learn more at unitedbank.com. All loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. And by l Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoons, as well as bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. Go visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. And brought to you by... North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. And brought to you by Dixie Supply in Baker's Metal Works. Baker Metal Works and Dixie Supply manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you are putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Baker Metal Works and Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. And brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. 
bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, altimetry, currents, and watercolor at hiltonsoffshore.com. Also brought to you by AFCO. Family owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements. Visit afco.com for on the water performance gear. And by 